it's there, but you don't actually hear it, but it's there. That's pretty much, if you were here last week, we talked about what our culture does with us. It tries to tell you things, but it won't put it in slogans that you can read, and it won't put it in, in a book that you can go find. But it's just there. You feel it. Culture will tell you how to do things or how things should be done, but you just feel it. You don't hear it, but you feel it. So last week we talked about identity, essentially where you find your sense of importance. What makes you feel important? What makes you feel valued? Without going into it, the best way to figure that out for you is to just ask yourself, what, when I do this, I feel important. Or when this happens in my life, if I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I feel important. If I have good grades, I feel important. If I have blank, I feel valuable and important. Whatever that blank is, that's very likely where we find our identity. So, tonight, we'll not be far off of this topic. Uh, if you picture a pie graph uh, called identity, and there's tons of slivers in it, one sliver within that that a lot of people find their identity in is the group of people they belong to. Does that make sense? Like your friend group, your family, your, your work group, your ethnic identity group, all that kind of things. That's like a sense of belonging some people have. And our culture has a lot to say about this. Why is this important to any of you? Because we all live in a culture, and our culture is trying to tell each and every one of you subliminally how to find your sense of belonging. What group is most important and why they should be most important and why you should prioritize them. Our culture is trying to tell you that, whether you hear it or not. So that's why this is important for you to hear. So to help us do that, because we want to know what culture says that we may not hear, and we want to know what Jesus says about it that we may not actually know. So to help me do that, I believe I'm going to invite my friend Cam up to help read our scripture for tonight. We're going to be looking at Matthew. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cam. You're amazing, by the way, doing band camp, doing engineering, and you're still doing all this stuff. Yeah, you're a boss. All right, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your, ch your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. All right, so the headings that we're going to glean from this passage to help us understand belonging, this, this, the, the group of people or place that we want to inhabit most. The, the, the headings that we're going to glean are um, <clears throat> the belonging that culture wants you to prioritize, the belonging that we need to prioritize, and the belonging that already has been prioritized. Does it make sense? Yeah. So we'll start with the first one, and I'll pray, and we'll get into this. <clears throat> Jesus, we want to know what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray that hard hearts towards you would be softened, that minds would be open, that people who have never seen color before would see your beautiful color the beautiful color of your gospel, the beautiful color of your truth tonight. Lord, we can't do it without your help. Would you speak through me like you've spoken through many people in the past? Would you be here tonight, Holy Spirit? May no one be able to leave without knowing that you spoke to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, 
Culture is always trying to tell you things. It doesn't do this in obvious ways. It's usually subliminal, non-conspicuous uh, ways, right? They don't say it out loud. You just feel it. Like, you just know it's true. For example, I'm going to get one boo for this, but real Disney fans, real ones, they just know, even though it's not said, that Frozen is absolutely... Probably the best <laughs> Disney movie. It may not be said, but everyone just feels it. It's okay. It's okay. We can deny it, but we feel it. When you watch it, you feel it. Just let go of your lies. Just let go of your lies. Or, or how even without the label, everyone would know that the Cowboys are really America's team. Even without the label of America's team, everyone would just know. You just feel it. You watch them and you're like, America. That makes sense. This makes sense. Freedom. Freedom. Victory. So that's exactly what you feel. Right, Josiah? That's what you feel when you watch the Cowboys? That's what we're going to feel on Sunday at 225 when I'm working and I don't get to watch it because of Mike. Mike scheduling me to work during a game. Rude. So one thing our culture does this with, and does it very prominently, is our places of belonging. Some parts of the country very strongly emphasize the importance of family belonging, a family culture. This, for example, can be titled a traditional view. Our siblings are the people that we're related to by blood. They're our family. But a sibling, note this, isn't someone who's actually chosen you. A sibling, you have a sibling because that just happens to be the biological hand of siblings you were dealt. Siblings can be great, I'm not disowning them, but culture wants to push onto you that the only people in your corner when things get rough, the most important priority of your life is family. Why? Because it's family. That's it, it's family. However, even though traditional cultures, which I think we live in a few spots of that here in the Southwest, will tell you that family belonging comes first. Our overall modern 21st century culture will push on to you that your romantic belonging, romantic relationships, that's priority. How do I know this? You walk into any Albertsons or Walmart, and you don't look at these magazines, and it doesn't say, who's best friends with who today, Caleb? It doesn't say that. It says, who's sleeping with who? Because no one cares who's friends with who. So, and uh, like the talk in the dorms, for example, no one, I, you guys might know better than me, but I'm, I'd venture to guess the prominent conversation is not, dude, did you make a new best friend today? It's usually, dude, who's that girl you're talking to? Dude, I was talking to this other girl. Oh, girl, I was talking to this one guy, when really that just leads to jealousy most of the time. But, and even though we won't say it out loud, most people, yes, come to college with a purpose, but one very prominent thought on their minds is, I wonder if I'm going to meet my future wife or future husband here. I wonder when I'm going to get wifed up. No one's ever saying, man, I really wonder if I'm going to meet like, a best friend I'm going to have for life here. No one ever comes to college thinking that. So, and then we go to our movies. No good movie, no good movie is void of romance or of family. Like Coco, for example. There's, yeah, Coco. That was all about family importance. 
You think about Frozen. They attempted to not be about romance. But what did they go to? They went to family. You think about Bambi, if anyone would have actually thought of it, because it's a horrible movie. Not horrible quality, it's just very sad. Bambi only has his friends in that picture because his family's dead. <laughs> oh, your family's dead? Okay, here, here's a movie about friends. <laughs> it's, it sucks. But that's why, that's why friends are a priority in this movie. <laughs> Which one? Lord of the Rings. I don't even have this written, but I'm going to do it. Lord of the Rings. That was written about friendship. And it's in the appendices. Like, you have to like, look at an index to find the romance in that book. That's how it was written. Its purpose was friendship. How does Hollywood make it? They stick a romance right in the middle of the whole thing. That whole Aragorn, Arwen thing, whatever. Arwen? Maybe I'm thinking of uh, an anime guy. Uh, Arwen. I'm thinking of Armin from Attack on Titan. Um, they stick that romance right in the middle because romance is a priority in this culture. How do we know that's true here in Las Cruces? Well, how many of you have asked someone or been asked to hang out and you've gotten or given one of these answers? Mmm can't. I'm going home for the weekend. And you're like, but it's Saturday. And you just, you moved in on Friday. Is there really that much to update your parents on? Are you afraid they're going to forget what you look like? So I'm not hating on it. It's not a bad thing. I'm just trying to point out the priority that culture has made this for us. Or, or you get asked to hang out and you get this response. Oh no, that, that was the response. It's nothing. Why? Because all of a sudden this friend you have meets a guy, meets a girl, and they're gone. They disappear. They have a guy, a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. They're nowhere to be found. Why? Because friendship was important when I didn't have a relationship. But now I do. You'll be there whenever I'm done. So I'll come back. So our culture prioritizes romance, erotic, sexual love, right? In a modern culture, your romantic relationship is important. In a traditional culture, your family relationship is important. Your, your romance, one being a boyfriend, girlfriend, lover, concubine, boy toy, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> traditional culture, is your, it's a family culture. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your thea, your thea, your first, twelfth cousins, however many you have. Um, I have a lot. Uh, but in our Hispanic modern culture, you see a mix of both. You see the person who's always with their relationship, you know, whatever, and they always go together to see family. That's pretty telling. So, we all, by looking at this, is evidence that we all want to belong somewhere. Culture says you need to make that belonging your romance or your family. And if you have a paper out, if you have a, like, whatever, uh, I, or just mentally, take note of which one you think you lean most towards, family or romance. And don't feel bad if you don't put family. The best way to tell is what do you give most of your time to during the day? I would have said family in high school, but the reality is I spent nine hours a day with my girlfriend in high school, so the reality is it was romance. So be honest. It's not for my benefit. <clears throat> uh, either way... This is what culture wants you to prioritize, right? Point one, 
the belonging that culture wants each of you to prioritize? Point two, what's the belonging that we need to prioritize? So this summer, I went on a book trip because, ah, my books are in the car. What a horrible mistake. I went on a book trip from Michigan to Denver because I just love books and I, would ha- I was going to have a stack to, to show and give away. Um, so I'm really sorry because we love in Chi Alpha reading. We love reading what we call old dead guys because they're dead, but they're our friends. So we like to read them um, because they literally have wisdom and knowledge that God has given them on record for us. So we love reading them, right? So I wanted to go on this book trip. The problem was that I couldn't afford the flight from El Paso to Michigan, the first one. I couldn't afford that because of some other things I had. This wasn't like me uh, saying, like being frugal or stingy or wanting money somewhere else like savings and just saying I don't have the money. It was I just, I genuinely didn't that month. And so I told the group and one of the guys called me separately and he said, hey, I'm looking at flights right now. I'm going to buy your, I'm going to buy your ticket. I'm going to get you your flight there. And my first thought was like, what? Like, why? Why would you do this? You get, this guy gets nothing out of this. Not only does he have to pay to get there, he has to split the rental car, the Airbnb, he has to buy his own food and buy his own books, but he's still willing to pay for me to get there. No one was going to know and praise him for it. He wasn't getting anything out of it except losing $300. So why? Because he just simply wanted me there. Because he unselfishly chose to get me there when it got him nothing, but cost him quite a bit. I wasn't his brother, so there's no family tug pulling him to do this. I'm not his wife, so there's no romantic tug pulling him to make this decision. It didn't benefit his job in any way, so there's no socioeconomic thing pulling on him. It was just because I was his friend. It was for no other reason than that he wanted to. And so what I'm getting at is that the belonging that is usually put on the back burner, but that we need to prioritize, is friendship. Proverbs says in chapter 18 that there is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. What it's saying is that a friend really can be better than a sibling. And you have to remember that when that was written, It was a bigger family culture then than it is now. Way more family-oriented. So why is a friend better than a sibling? Well, it's because families, family, of course family is going to be there for you in adversity. They care for you. There's loyalty. There's memory. They're going to be there for you. But that doesn't exactly mean they like you. Think about it. Think about it. How is your family or your parents or your brothers with people who aren't family? What priority do they give them compared to you? Would they give you that priority if you weren't their son or daughter? Would you have the same priority in their life that you do not being family? A friend, on the other hand, is someone who chooses you. When it gets hard, only a real friend will stay around for no other reason than that they choose you. And now, I will say, let me back up, I forgot to write it, I know that there are brothers or siblings that are friends. So that's just a double whammy. So that's a, I'm not saying that's not possible. Disclaimer. So what the Bible is trying to say 
is that there's just something unique about friendship that you don't get in family, in romance, or in socioeconomic relationships. But every culture we live in, from now till we probably die, will put friendship on the back burner. But friendship is the only sense of belonging that you have to choose deliberately. In other words, there's nothing forcing you to choose to be a friend. What do I mean by that? Romantic belonging, for example. There's a factor that urges you to find a boyfriend or girlfriend because I want to feel needed and loved, or it's a sexual urge I want to satisfy. You're always going to feel that. It urges you to do it. A family belonging, it's another biological urge. It's my family, they're my blood, that's my brother, right? Or there's socioeconomic belonging, that's a sociological urge. In other words, like the, your work connections, people you make friends with to help benefit your job. If you don't have connections, it's hard to get a good job. There's an urge for you to do that. Friendship. Please hear me rightly. I'm not saying any of these other ones are bad. What I'm saying is that the Bible says friendship belonging is more unique and valuable because it's the only one you have to choose apart from any other urge. C.S. Lewis, one of our favorite old dead friends, says friendship is the only love that doesn't have a flair to it. When you and your romance, you go, through, you go through fire, you get in a fight, you guys are going to try to make it through to the other end because you've possibly shared so much, if married, contractually, emotionally, uh, if you're responsible, possibly physically, right? Not if you're married, obviously, that's okay. it doesn't matter. But if your family, if you go through fire and, and fights and trials with your family, of course you're going to try to make it to the other end because on the other end, you're still family. If your networking connections go through fire, you'll try to keep them because, for the sake of your job. But if friendships go through fighting and fire and hurt and disagreement, there is nothing holding it together except choice. Friendship is the only belonging that's a product of pure, uninfluenced choice. That's why Proverbs talks about friendship with such extreme importance. Not only is friendship a choice, but to be honest, it's what makes us who we are. Before you got here to college, what makes you who you are, whether you like to admit or not, was our family. Whether that's you want to be like them or you didn't like what they were, so you try to not be like them. It influences who you are. Now that you're not there most of the time, your next influence is your community, your family, or your friends and your community. That's what makes us who we are. But everyone makes life decisions based on career or family or romance, usually to the complete disregard of friendship. How many decisions have we actually made that were influenced by our community? <clears throat> this is, like our second point stated, the belonging that we need to prioritize more. So yes, I'm not saying disregard all others, but real unselfish friendship should be given a little more priority in our life decisions than most of us actually give it. So what's the Bible saying? It's saying that when you have a community of friends that is rare, that's just uncommon in this world, you don't let go for anything. You bring your life into that community, you don't leave that community to go get the things you want for your life, right? It's not enough to get married and say, it's us against the world. It's not enough to seclude ourselves around our family alone. It's not enough to advance your career if you're doing it for the lack of good community. 
Why? Because for better or worse, friendship is unselfish choice, and it only continues by unselfish choice. It's more beautiful, the Bible says, when a man gives his life for his friend. It doesn't say wife, kid, mom, dad, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, because this is the only choice that has no benefit to you. You lose your family. You lose your romance so that your friend can have it. That's why it's more beautiful to give your life for your friend. Love is unselfishly choosing for the highest good of another. Friendship is rooted in love. This is the kind of belonging that's rare. It's the kind that we need, and if we're honest, even if we haven't thought much about it, it's the kind of belonging that we want. The problem is that it's it's a hard cost to pay to be this kind of friend, to be willing to sacrifice yourself, the things you love, to have a friendship. To be a friend like that means you've got to let go of a lot sometimes. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a lot. And for what? For someone who could just walk away the moment they get mad at you? The moment someone doesn't want to be your friend anymore because you disagreed? So what do we do? What do we need in order to be friends like this and prioritize this more? we have to remember a little bit of our third point, that there was a belonging that has already been prioritized. I realized, uh, my friend's not here, made me really sad, but I realized asking for addresses, I don't know if anyone asks you for your address, I mean your dorm room numbers, my friends won't give it to me because they know I'm just going to show up and want to hang out. So that it's like there's a barrier of me not knowing where you live that's safe for them. Um, usually in Chi Alpha, if you give away your address, it comes with the risk of getting pranked. Uh, sometimes people will try to throw glitter all over your truck hoping that you have to clean it up in the morning but really you're out of town so your poor seven month pregnant wife has to clean it up all by herself man so that happens when you give away your address but this guy I mentioned that bought my plane ticket he ended up asking me randomly out of nowhere a few uh, before this trip last semester for my address I'm, of course he doesn't live here he's not going to prank me so I give it to him Two weeks later, because he was traveling around the country for some work stuff, two weeks later, this is what my stack was for, he sends me a box, and it's heavy, and I open it, and there are these six phenomenal books in them. They were by two guys, one named F.W. Borum, and one named Louis Albert Banks. These two, for those of you who don't know, are arguably the best and most prominent Christian authors in history. Why? Because they had a mind that was so in love with Jesus, they saw and could see him in everything always. They wrote beautifully about him. Their minds saw the Bible in a way few others have, and it made, helped other people fall in love with it as well. And they're very limited print, so they're extremely expensive. And he, I opened this box, and there's six of these books. And of course, in that moment, my world just lights up. I didn't give him anything to deserve these. I still don't think to this day I've actually sent him anything or given him anything. But he just sends me these very expensive and valuable books. In that moment, every bit of selfish, me first, I'm better than you attitude, it's like it was lifted up and into the light and I could see it because I was like, I'm not like him. I, I'm not like that. I don't just buy things for people and get nothing out of it. But he did that for me. My selfishness was exposed because of his unselfishness, and all I wanted to do 
was do that for someone else. So to be the kind of friend we're talking about, this is what I'm getting at. To have this kind of belonging or to give it, you have to already belong to it. You can't give something you've never had. If you've never experienced a friendship that is absolutely unselfish, where the friend got nothing out of doing good for you, then you don't know how to give it. And you can't show someone something you've never experienced. But the good news for us is that this friendship exists, but only in the kingdom of God. And if you remember our verse at the very beginning, I know it's been a while, Jesus says that he longs to gather you into this kingdom. But the problem is that we're not willing. It's boring. It's this, it's that. I'm not into it. It's not hard on the college campus to find people who are not willing to let him bring them into his kingdom. Instead, everyone wants to live into the, in the other kingdom, known as the kingdom of darkness. This kingdom is the root of all evil in the world. Its primary attitude is me first, or I'm better than you, or I'm better at you than this, or I'm better at that. In this kingdom, everyone lives for themselves, what they want, not what anyone else wants, and it doesn't matter how many others have to get climbed on or pushed over to get what you want. Friendship can't exist in this kingdom, at least not the friendship we've been talking about. And the devil is the prince of this realm. Another book I wish I could have held up right here was a book called Kingdom-Minded by a woman named Mary Gotro. She says that the devil is the prince of darkness, but he's already been defeated by Jesus and his great work on the cross. He knows his time is short, but he wants everyone in this room to stay blind to spiritual realities. He wants everything, anything for you except to know God. The more people he can kill, the more satisfied he is because he causes pain to God. The devil hates God, and he wants to hurt him as much as possible. And what better way to hurt someone? And what hurts a friend more than when they're trying to help someone and love someone, but that someone is unwilling to let them? Sounds kind of familiar. Hey, you want to come to small group tonight? For your benefit, not really theirs. It's actually a lot of effort. Sorry, I can't. Or I'm not willing is a better way to say it. Or when Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you, protect you, and give you rest, but you're not willing. One old dead writer wrote this. And take note of the two characters, us and God. It says, From heaven his eye is downward bent, still glancing to and fro. Where in this wild wilderness there roams a child of woe. And as the rebel chooses wrath, God wails his helpless lot, deep breathing from his heart of love, I would, but you would not. It's one thing for my friend to tell me he wants me at the book sale. It's a whole different one for him to pay $300 to make it happen. Jesus, in our verse, isn't just saying he longs to gather you into his kingdom. He paid a price so that he could bring you into his kingdom. Jesus went to the cross And this is what he said. Sin has made it to where you can't afford to be with me. Your plane ticket is too expensive. But I can fix that. I can pay for that. Before we can be a real friend to anyone, we have to already belong to one. And Jesus is the example of friends as they should be. 
Jesus doesn't need any of us. But he paid to get us to himself. Why? Because of pure, unselfish choice for your highest good. He gets nothing out of this but a cost. You get everything out of it. The longing we have for a real and stable place to belong that doesn't go away when someone dies, right? Like to have a a place of belonging that, that, that can't be taken away from us. He already had that, but he lost it. He laid it down on the cross so that you could have it instead. He was cast out of friendship with the Father so that we, the ones who aren't even willing, if we're sometimes honest, would gain the possibility of actually having it. Once you realize that, your heart will break inside of you because you finally understood that you're you're a worse friend than you actually thought, but Jesus still wants you more than you'll ever believe is, is possible. To put it another way, we're more evil than we ever dared imagine, but we are also more loved than we could ever dare believe. This is the belonging, the place of belonging that was prioritized for you. You were meant for friendship with God to go on the greatest trip of your life for the rest of your life, and he paid to make it possible. And if you want an example, because this is all kind of like it's an abstract thought, but it's a reality, But if you want a concrete one you can see, look at your small group leader. What do you think they get out of trying to be friends with you? They don't get anything. They get people a lot of the time, or some of the time, who kindly reject them. But for the most part, they get people who very harshly and rudely reject them. They don't get a reward that you can see. They love you like they do because Jesus first sent someone to love them like that too. He sent someone to show them that they had a place to belong that's deeper than blood and that's more exhilarating than romance. And you know what their reward is? It's simply a smile on their king's face when someone actually gives everything to him. If you're in this room right now, it's because this belonging is right in front of you. Whether it's the belonging with the friend who brought you a real friendship that is unselfish that they don't get benefit out of having, or... And, sorry, and a belonging to be friends with God. The belonging is in front of us. The place to belong is here. The question, like our verse said, is are you even willing? So I'm pretty much done. I'd like you to do just one thing for me. I'd like you to write down somewhere, in your phone, anywhere, a notepad. I'd like you to write down where you think you've tried to find belonging most, where you find your sense of like security, like this is my place, whether that's family, that's romance, that's career, that's school, that's an ethnic group, that's an interest group, or you find it in yourself because you only find comfort with yourself. And I want you to look at it for just a moment while we play a song. I'd like you to just think, does this provide everything that belonging to Jesus does? Does it even come close? And then afterwards, I'd like you to just let your small group leader pray with you. Nothing crazy or weird, but just let them ask God to help you see that these truths are real in a way that you can't leave without being changed. Does that sound okay? You just write that down.
again, no one else's benefit but your own. No one's going to count who did and who didn't. But if you would, I'd like for you to do that. And then I'll, I'll pray and we'll be done. <clears throat> Jesus, Lord, words are words without you. They're just air against the wall. But Lord, you are the only reason these truths are real. Lord, let these truths sink in. Holy Spirit, please don't let anyone leave without knowing that you're here, without knowing that you've said and spoken to them, without putting your finger on something in their life that is keeping them from you. Please don't let anyone leave without seeing that this truth is real, that the reality of belonging to you is glorious, and we don't deserve it. Please, Jesus, help us. None of us can make ourselves see. Only you can. So in the name of Jesus, help us see that these are real and that this is real and that we really can be with you and that it really is more glorious than anything else this world has to offer. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So for five minutes, because that's all we have left to stay timely, you guys just ride amongst yourself and then talk with your small group leader because, again, this is for your benefit, not mine or anyone else's. So. We love you, and I will probably come back up and say bye soon. So.